0: Today's scripture comes from the first chapter of Luke, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: We're in a new sermon series called What's in a Name? Last week, uh, Pastor Jeff kicked us off looking about, uh, talking about the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And as we begin to understand more about the names for Jesus, it helps us to understand more about who he is, why he has come, and what he is called to do, who he is called to be in our lives. Today, the name that we look at is Jesus itself. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of mercy. You are the same God. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God of Mary. You are the same God of the disciples. The same God of this church. The same God in our lives. And for that, Lord, we offer you praise and glory this day. We lift up to you today also, Becca and Angie, as they take that next step in answering this call upon their lives that you have given to them. Lord, we pray blessings upon them as they step into that incredibly hard work that is so humbling and such a blessing. Lord, we lift up our church today, too, and pray that as we grow we continue to honor you with who we are and what we say and what we do and put you first in all things. And Lord, as we look at your name, Jesus, this day, get me out of the way. The words of our mouths and meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer and our refuge and our savior. And it is in your name that we pray. As all God's people say. Amen. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. That old-fashioned sounds of a pager like that still jolt me when I hear them. When I served as a hospital chaplain, I often served overnight. And we'd sleep when we could in the on-call rooms. But at three o'clock in the morning, when you hear that beep, 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 it wakes you up. And so I would sit straight up in the bed, slide my feet right back in the shoes I'd probably just stepped out of. Grab the white chaplain's coat off the back of the door and head to wherever it is that I had been summoned. In that time, I would say a prayer as I usually ran or walked very quickly down the hall. Most often in the middle of the night, the place that I had been called was the emergency department. And when I got there, I stood in the hallway in that long line that formed of doctors and nurses and x-ray techs and the security team and all of us who had gotten that same beep, beep, and had been asked to come. We knew why we were there. We were there to do some saving, all of us, waiting, actively, expectantly, waiting, preparing, knowing someone was about to come, someone who needed saving. That's why we were there. And then the doors would burst open into the emergency department and the first responders would wheel in the patient right in front of us and we would get to work immediately. Bits of the story would start to come out about what had happened in that person's life, what the culprit was. Usually in the middle of the night, it tended to be of a vehicle accident. Drugs, alcohol, gunshot wounds, fights, and more. I often spent the rest of my night then sitting with the family members in the waiting room. People's lives were broken. All of us, We're ready to do whatever needed to be done because the patients could not save themselves. That's why we were there, to do the saving. Saving someone is not something we often talk about outside of a hospital or a fire department, an emergency department. It is something we talk about at church, but in a very different way. In our scripture today, Gabriel, the angel, talks about saving. He tells a surprised Mary that she will have a baby and she is to name him Jesus, meaning one who saves. That name tells us who the baby is, why the baby has come and what this baby will do. The name Jesus is linked to the Hebrew name Yeshua or Joshua, meaning deliverer, rescuer. The name Jesus literally means Savior. God saves. And it's interesting that there were other baby boys who had the name Jesus back then. The same is still true today. It's interesting. The name Jesus is not unique to the boy child of Mary. And at the same time, it is singularly, sacredly, uniquely eternally specific to who he is think about it as we read in the passage the angel gabriel tells us even more about who this child will become the angel says that jesus will be great the son of the most high he will have the throne of david he will reign over the house of jacob his kingdom will never end he will be holy And he will be the very and only son of God. In that description, we hear words tying together the old and the new. Ties to those Old Testament promises of God's covenant with David from Second Samuel 7. And we hear how God is doing a new thing that has never been done before. In this now and not yet coming kingdom that Christ will usher in. God is up to a new thing when Jesus comes. Jesus will be an actual baby and also no ordinary baby. The name Jesus captures something of what we call the dual nature of Christ. The angel says the child will be the son of God, fully divine. The angel says the child will also be the son of Mary. He will be fully human and both at the same time, very God and very man. I was trying to think of an example or a metaphor to help us understand this. And the best thing I could come up with is how we can bear two identities at once inextricably. Say a person can be both a wife and a daughter or both a father and a husband or a sister and a friend. Each a different aspect of identity and we're both at the same time. The metaphor gets inadequate when it comes to Christ. But if you can think of a better metaphor, please tell me. (laughs) I said that at the early service and someone came up to me afterwards and said, how about the idea of light, which can be both a particle and a wave at the same time? And I said, you were getting over my head. (laughs) Um, If you can think of another metaphor, please let me know. I'd love to use it. Jesus is both the unique self-revelation of God and He knows what it is to be one of us at the same time, his dual nature. This will no longer be God out there, up there, the big man upstairs, whichever you want to say, who does not understand us or is removed. But God right here in Jesus Christ. So let's talk about his humanity for a little bit. This baby born in a manger will know what it is to walk around in Nazareth and smell the salty air. We'll know what it is to fish with a net and build with his hands. He will know what it is to live with skin and sneezes and stubbed toes. He will know what it is to walk up a mountain, take a nap in a boat, laugh with a bunch of guys Have close friends, male and female, and wake up to a beautiful sunrise and see the sun set later in the day. And he will know what it is to be misunderstood and have one of your closest friends betray you and how hard it will be to wash that person's feet anyway. He will know what it is to have a group of people scheme ways to take him out to try to trip him up with questions about the law or try to trap him or call him a heretic. He will know what it is to be falsely accused and have people spread lies about him. He will know what it is to suffer and he will know what it is to die. And at the same time, Jesus is fully divine. Divine. So let's talk about his divinity for a moment. The baby whose name means savior is the savior of the world and of you and of me. And he will do miracles that folks have never seen before. He will calm the seas and feed thousands and walk on water. And heal diseases and heal hearts and free and forgive sin and offer hope and grace and new life. Eternal life. He will overcome death and leave behind him an empty grave. All of this to do only what he can do for each of us to save us. Jesus is all this together. 100% fully human 100% fully divine at the same time both and this is what we believe we call this mystery the incarnation and the gospel of Luke doesn't try to explain it metaphysically the gospel simply states it the angel announces it to young Mary this will be your baby named Jesus Savior. Son of God and Son of Man. So why does this baby Jesus, fully God and fully man, come? His name tells us. And the answer takes us back to the hospital. It takes us back to the season of Advent. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. The page is going off again. The pager went off 2,000 years ago, as much as it does today. And we, the people, get up in the middle of the night or in the darkness of the world and line the hallway to wait together, actively, expectantly, in this season of Advent, knowing that someone is coming to bring life and light to the darkness. This time, not because he needs saving, but because we that's why we gather for on Christmas the doors of heaven burst open and into the world and Jesus comes in this incredible way in a manger with Mary and Joseph to be named Jesus bits of the story then start to come out about why and the culprit the culprit is in a word sin Missing the mark. How we fundamentally miss the mark of who and what God calls us to be. Sin that separates us from God. Augustine in describing this called it misordered love that we love the wrong things or we love the right things in the wrong way. Niebuhr called it misordered loyalties. That we put something, anything in our lives, in our hearts, ahead of God. Genesis 3 tells us that we don't like to be accountable for our sin. We'd rather point fingers and blame other people than point out their problems instead of our own. We still do that. Sin takes a lot of shape in our lives. Idolatry. Pride. Thinking we know better than anybody else. Selfishness, dishonesty, a lack of humility, judging others, self-righteousness, racism, division, hatred, violence, lies, prejudice, you name it. The list is long and getting longer. We are messed up. The world is messed up. Broken. And this is our human condition And Jesus in his divinity and humanity is ready to do whatever needs to be done to do the saving because we cannot save ourselves. That's why Jesus is here to do the saving even if it means His dying. Jesus comes to show us what God is like. And to bring in a new kingdom. John 3.16 tells us that God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was true then. It is true now. We're not the ones who do this kind of saving. In fact, we can't save anybody. Only God can do that. And it is the gift of salvation by grace as we respond to Jesus Christ in faith. Jesus is the Savior. That's what his very name means. So let us turn toward him. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to mess stuff up. He's seen it happen. He's walked beside people and knows what it's like and he understands. And he alone can save. So let's ask him to do just that. By grace. To heal us. Forgive our sin and redeem and heal our brokenness and give us the gift of eternal life. Would you say the name aloud with me? Say, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, what a mighty name it is. Jesus, our Savior. Emmanuel. God with us. Our Redeemer. Our Lord and our friend.